As I said, Psalm 127 is where we're going to be this morning, and the title of the message in this Recharge Your Family series is simply titled, Do Not Try This at Home. Some of you have seen that on television or on YouTube videos, and, and it's like a disclaimer. You know, it says, before they show you something, do not try this at home. You know, I have found that that phrase, that that warning is a lot like wet paint. When you see a sign that says, wet paint, do not touch, what do you want to do? You want to touch it. You want to see, is it still wet? And I hope for the sake of YouTube that some of you find that the paint is still wet. But when you see that or hear that disclaimer that says, do not try this at home, it's sometimes followed by, these are professionals. And again, some of you have seen those videos and you know that the people doing those ridiculous things are not professionals. Now, I know how the human mind works. Some of you not only want to try those, but you want to try them not in your own home. It says don't try this at home, so you go to your friend's house and you do it over there. And so technically, you, you're not doing it at home. For those of you that haven't thought of that, you're welcome. But, um, you know, those, that's like almost like a redneck motto. Uh, the famous last words of a redneck is, oh yeah, watch this. You know, it's, <laughs> and then it's followed by, do not try this at home. You've seen people hurt themselves, you've seen people blow stuff up, you've seen people fall and get seriously injured, and then you have to be reminded, do not try this at home. Now, I want you to know that I have a little bit more common sense than that. If I see somebody do something ridiculous, I don't need to be told, don't try this at home. I get all of my joy at home watching them do what they shouldn't have done, and somebody should have warned them not to do it. That's all the joy in life that I need. In fact, I love watching those fail videos and people just doing all these ridiculous things. And I praise the Lord every time I watch one. I'm not on one yet. Watch this. But I may be one day. But you know, a lot of dads should have that warning. Do not try this at home. How many of you dads have blown something up trying to fix it? Or how many of you have wrecked something trying to make it better? You know, a, a kid brings you a toy and they say, Dad, this isn't working anymore. Can you fix it? And you get all your tools and you get all your ingenuity. And you get all, and, and sometimes you turn to YouTube and, and you sit down and you try to fix it, and what ends up happening is you've got all these parts and pieces on the floor, and you don't know where any of them go. And then you trek onto the store and buy whatever it was that you just destroyed, and you can pretend like you fixed it, right? Again, if you haven't tried that, you're welcome. But there are more than one, there's more than one way to get around. Do not try this at home. You know, sometimes you, you know, like I said, you go to your friend's house and try it or you just you just work around it and sometimes we do end up trying those things at home and have very bad results And even if your life doesn't end up on YouTube even if you are not the butt of a joke even if you don't blow something up sometimes spiritually we ought to know that there are certain things we should not try at home now that sounds like a strange warning coming from a pastor on a Sunday morning and sitting in church and with your Bibles open and I'm telling you there are certain things that you should not try at home spiritually because there are so many times, dads, that we want to be 
Mr. Fix-It. There's so many times that we want to be large and in charge and we want all the glory and we want all the praise and we put our hands on it and we get ourselves in it only to realize it was never our job in the first place. And there are some things, Dad, that when you put your hands on them, that really what you ought to do is fold your hands in prayer and bow on your knees and say, Lord, this is more than I can bear. This is bigger than me, and I give all of this over to you. I'm not going to try this at home, but God, I'm going to trust that you know what you're doing. Dad, you can be the hero in the home by pointing everybody to Jesus. You can be Mr. Fix-It in the home when you realize that the fixing is done through prayer and in trust in God. And Psalm 127 is a wonderful encouragement for dads, but it's a wonderful encouragement for every believer and every person on the planet that needs to know what God's role is in your life. There are two very simple lessons that we're going to learn in Psalm 127, but if you're able to, would you stand with me? As we read this text of Scripture, Psalm 127, the Bible says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, how thankful we are that today we can hear from you and we can learn, Lord, what our role is in the home and what it is not. And Father, I pray that today that your Holy Spirit would echo loudly in our hearts and in our heads and then translate into our homes. God, so that none of us leave this place feeling as though we have it all under control or that it's all our responsibility, but God, instead that we would fulfill the role that you have given to us by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ to do what only He can do. Father, we thank You for this time together and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This text of Scripture gives us two very clear roles that God has in the home. And there are two avenues through which God seeks to bless our home and our future. And I want you to see what those are in Psalm one. 127 the first thing that the bible teaches us is that we must trust god to build our house the bible is very clear that god is the builder of the home the bible teaches us that god is the giver of life and the very life that goes into a house is the home that god seeks to build this is not saying that god is some mystical magical uh carpenter of sorts or contractor that you just sit there on the road and say okay God I want a mansion I want a uh, you know 8,000 square foot house make it happen and he builds it now the Bible is speaking spiritually here that it is God that not only puts life in the house but it is God that puts his hands on the home 
you notice what the Bible says in verse 1. Clearly says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Now the Hebrew word here for building the house, it literally does not just mean God's house. And if you notice, this is Solomon that wrote this particular psalm. Solomon being the son of David. David in the Old Testament wanted to be the one to build God's house. He wanted to be the one to build the temple and longed for that, and yet that was not his role. His son Solomon came along and Solomon built the temple, and now he knows that unless God is the one who is in it, unless God is funding it, unless God is filling it, and unless God is behind it, then everything we do to spiritually build up our house is all in vain. Dad, you can build a wonderful house. You can furnish it. You can spend a lifetime making money and, and, and buying all sorts of things and putting new roofs and, and new furniture and all sorts of things in the house. But yet the Bible says that unless God is involved in the process, everything you do is in vain. You see, unfortunately, the tendency for a lot of men is to make a living rather than to live. We make money to purchase stuff rather than having a home that we can live in. And the Bible teaches us very clearly that there is a role that God has as the chief architect of our families. So many times, dads, we get in there and we want things to look a certain way. We want things to be a certain size. We want things in the home to have a certain flow. And yet, the house can be full of stuff. But if it is not filled with the Spirit, there's really nothing there. If your home does not resonate with the presence of God, you may have some of those beautiful furniture known to man, but if the Spirit of the living God is not walking through and filling that home, then your house is empty. Unless God is the one who does it. You're building, you're living, your job that you have in earning this income, all of it, the Bible says, you're doing it all in vain. We've got to take time to invest in the children that God blesses us with. We have to take time to pray with our wives. We have to take time to study the Word of God and be a man of prayer in and out of the home. We've got to be willing to do our part, trusting God to do His. God is the ultimate builder unless the Lord builds the house. Those who build it labor in vain. He goes on to say in verse 1, Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Now, so many times, dads, we feel the sense of responsibility. We want to be the protector. We want to be the one that, that knows the, 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 where the guns are in the house. We want, to, we want to be the one to set the alarm at night. We want to be the ones to to feel the sense of ownership. We want our name on the deed. We, we want to be the ones that are in charge. Yet the Bible tells us that there are so many limitations to what you do as a father in the home, as a husband in the home. There's so many limitations to what you do for your family. Not only the building, but he says the watching. 
the Lord is the one who watches over the city, or if you stay up, you are awake in vain. You know, so many times parents want to know what their kids are doing 24-7. We have baby monitors to watch the children while they sleep at night. We have Life360 on our phones to know where our kids are and how fast they're driving, don't we, son? you don't have that app, see me after church and I'll hook you up. Well, we want to know where our kids are, what they're doing, and how fast they're driving, and who they're hanging out with, and what time they're coming home. And, and even when they're little, you know, we just constantly, you know, partly because you have to. When kids are little, they are sneaky little things. They know how to get up on the counter. They know where the back of the refrigerator is. They know where the stuff is hidden in the pantry. You don't think they do, but they do. Look, you were a little sinner at one time and you figured it out. Now you brought some home from the hospital. They're going to figure it out too. And we want to watch over. We want to protect them. We want to know where they are. But listen, the Bible says unless God is the one watching over them, your staying up late and, and wanting to know all of those things is all in vain. Mom and Dad, listen. You can't know everything about everything. You can't watch over your family and your children all the time and your children say, praise God for that. But when you entrust them to the Lord and when you beg and plead to God, God, would you watch over my children? Would you correct their heart when it starts to go a different direction? God, would you keep them safe? Would you protect them? Would you give them conviction? Would you establish in them your word so that when they are encouraged to do something wrong god that they will stand for what is right listen there are limited number of minutes that you have to speak into the life of your children to invest in them and i hope and pray that you're using all of those minutes wisely but there is a time when you cannot watch every single thing that they do you don't know every decision that goes through their head you don't know all of the influences they're dealing with but god does and friend, unless God is the one watching over your house, unless God is the one watching over your children, unless God is the one who is giving protection to your home, you can have all the protective measures that you can come up with, but you're doing it all in vain. He says in verse 2, it's vain that you rise up early and go late to bed, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep some of you have not slept in years young mom and dad partly because your kids keep you up but partly because your kids are keeping you up well they may be fast asleep and they may be zonked out but you are just wringing your hands because you don't know what to do you're just fretting and toiling and you're sweating and and you're just so afraid because you just don't have all the control that you want the Bible teaches us clearly in Philippians 4, 6, and 7 to be anxious about nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, let our requests be made known to God. And the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Friend, if you are a nervous wreck because of your children or your grandchildren, turn them over to God and put all of that anxious energy in your prayer life. 
If you are afraid of where they'll, what they'll turn out to be or who they'll end up hanging out with, or if you're afraid of what their life is going to become, then fall on your face before God and plead with the Father that God would be the one to watch over them when your eyes are someplace else. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. Some of you need to hear Psalm 121 this morning. Psalm 121, the Bible says, I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither sleep nor slumber. Friend, I'm telling you, God knows more than you'll ever know. He sees more than you'll ever see. And God knows your children better than you do. And some of you need to hear the word this morning that instead of worrying more, you need to worry less and pray far more than you are. You say, well, Pastor, you know, if I trust God, if I spend more time praying, that I'm going I'm to lose out on, on checking on this one and looking up this kid on Facebook and following this one on Instagram and, and calling this one's mama about this. And all. Listen, do your due diligence when it comes to keeping up with your kids and who they're hanging out with. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Check into those things and know your friends and uh, their friends and know their parents and, and get familiar with who your kids hang out with. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But in staying up late and spending all that time filled with anxiety, trust them over to God and invest in them so that when your time to launch them in the world comes, you can launch them with confidence. There was a lady in Texas who went into a store. I won't say which one it was. I don't want to, you know, smear Walmart's name. But I told you I wouldn't do that. But this lady walked into a store in Texas and wanted a graduation cake for her daughter, just graduated from college. The baker behind the counter said, well, just pick out any cake that you see and we can put a picture on it, we can write on it or whatever. And so she picked out this two-tier beautiful cake. They got it home. She cut into it and she heard, you know that sound whenever you cut styrofoam? That's what she heard. I mean, the icing looked beautiful and the cake was decorated just fantastic. But instead of it being actual cake, it was nothing but styrofoam underneath the icing. She stormed back to the store, a.k.a. Walmart, told them what happened. They gave her a $60 gift card, and for whatever reason, she picked out another cake. I would not have bought another cake from that one if I had to. But she got her a new cake, and it was all fine. But some of you, I'm afraid have the icing but maybe nothing real is underneath i mean you have the look that it takes to be a family it's decorated well on the outside everything looks fantastic but on the inside it's fake moms and dads you can spend a lifetime on beautiful icing a wonderful design, and it can look as though your house and your home are picture perfect on the outside. 
But if your house is not what it ought to be on the inside, and if God is not the one building it, then it's nothing but air. Trust God to build your house. And then once you do that, the second step in this text of Scripture teaches us not only to trust the Lord to build our house, but also the Bible teaches us to trust God to bless our heritage. Listen, God will build your house and make something amazing out of it, but there is a day, mom and dad, grandparents, hold on now, that those little blessings will leave your house and start their own family. Some of you are clinging to that promise of Scripture and, and counting down the days. Some of you, somebody put something mean on Facebook the other day. It said you only have like, you know, 900 and something Saturdays before your kid turns 18, so treasure them all. I thought that was mean. It's not a prison sentence, so it feels like it, but it's not. And sometimes after they're 18, they don't, they don't, they don't leave. You know, they, just, they hang around for a while. And then sometimes they leave and sometimes they come back and bring people with them. But that's neither here nor there. But the Bible speaks to a heritage of that which is passed on to the next generation. There is a time that God is going to build your house. There is a time that God is going to establish your family. But there's also coming a time when that heritage is going to be passed on to the next generation. Notice what the Bible says in verse 3. He says that behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Now, mom and dad and grandparents and aunts and uncles, I know that so many times kids seem like far less than a heritage and a blessing. There are times that those dirty diapers stack up. There are times that the attitude at the kitchen table goes through the roof. I know that there are times that it seems as though Life is hard, and you ask yourself, why did we have these people in the first place? But it is because God is the giver of life. And when a married couple comes together, they are a family. I tell every couple of every wedding ceremony that I do, you don't have children to become a family. When you are married, the Bible says that the husband leaves his father and mother and clings to his wife and the two become one flesh you are a family children do not make you a family but God rather adds to your family if he so desires to he blesses you with children but this family unit that exists God is the one who builds it and if God blesses you with this heritage this next generation in your home then you have a responsibility. You see, we misunderstand children sometimes. And our kids that are here, of course, we have quite a few that are up in children's church right now with Pastor Aaron, but you can tell them that I said this. But a lot of times we misunderstand children. And we go to the extremes, either families will have children because they want them to be little servants. You know, when I was growing up in my house, the days before the remote control, I was the remote control. 
my dad would be sitting in his chair and I would be sitting on the couch literally three feet from him and he would ask me to go to his room and get something off his dresser and bring it to me. Now you know why I ask you to do this. <laughs> I'm passing on to my children what, was made, what I was made to do. But a lot of times we see kids as little servants. We, we bring them into our family to do stuff so that we don't have to do them anymore. Now there is a place for that kind of training, for that kind of, uh, of servant mentality, but we must also model that for our children and not just make them do things we don't want to do, but we must also serve our children as we teach them to serve us. Mom and Dad, you do this all the time. It's just the kids may not realize it. They don't realize the sacrifices that you make. They don't realize what you're doing to serve them. And it's okay to remind them, not when you're mad, but it's okay to remind them at times that you are serving them by going to work every day. You serve them by doing their laundry. You serve them by cooking. You serve them by taking care of the home. And then it begins to click, this heritage idea, so that when it's their turn to take care of the yard, when it's their turn to do the dishes, that they are then learning to serve in the home the way that you serve them. Well, that's one way that we misunderstand children. The other way is we believe sometimes that kids are given to us to spoil. We give them whatever they want. They want it, we buy it. They ask for it, we give it to them. They want to stay out this late, we let them. They want to get on the internet and look at this or talk like that or, or say certain things out of disrespect to other people. Go ahead. It's more hassle than it's worth to train them, so we just let them do what they want to do, and we end up spoiling them. Now, there are parents that struggle with that. I will say every grandparent struggles with that because grandparents spoil their grandkids because it's their right to do so. You don't have to live with those people, and so you treat them however you want to. But parents, these are your people. This is your family. And the Bible says they are a heritage from the Lord. What does that mean? That means that there is a set amount of time that God entrusts these people with me. And when the time comes for them to launch out into the world, how they launch, where they launch, and how accurately they launch is on me. Not on the church. It's not on grandma. It's not on the school. It's not on the house or the internet. It's all on me. And the children are a heritage to the Lord. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? Look at verse 4. It says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. You see, Dad, these children are going to be launched from you one day. You're going to, with all your strength and with all your might, you're going to bend that bow, put that arrow on the bow, and you're going to release and let that child fly. But like I said, every child that is flung out into the world, the degree to which they are straight, the, the manner in which they are sharpened at the tip, 
The accuracy which they fly through the air and the trajectory that they take and what they are aimed at, Dad and Mom, is all on you. You have a limited time to launch them. Let me just say a little freebie right here. Some of you have adult children. And you look at those adult children and maybe they haven't grown up to be all that they should be. And you say, well, I did the best I could. And honestly, mom and dad, maybe you did. Maybe you did everything that you were supposed to. But maybe, just maybe, you missed the mark a few times. Maybe you weren't as godly as you should have been. Maybe you didn't say all of the things that you should have. Maybe now as grandparents or great-grandparents, you're looking at your own kids and you go, oh, I can't believe I raised them like that. I can't believe they talk like that. I can't believe they do that. That's not my fault. That's all on them. And maybe between you and the Lord, you can sleep at night to know that it is all their fault and not yours at all. However, maybe, just maybe, during this season of Mother's Day, Father's Day, maybe God will say to your heart, you blew it a few times, but you never really talked to Him about it. You made some mistakes along the way, and, and maybe you, you just never owned up to it. Maybe mom and dad, maybe grandmother and granddad, aunt, uncle, maybe you can go to your children and say, son, I hope you'll forgive me for how I blew it when you were a kid. Oh, dad, you were the best. You were great. You were always there. You were... Not really. I did my best. Man, there were times I wish I could go back and do it again. And imagine the grace and the strength that you will build into your children and your grandchildren by saying, I know that I wasn't all that I should be, but I pray for you that you will be an even better parent and an even better grandparent than I've ever imagined that I could be. Imagine the grace and strength and the heritage that you pass down to your own children who are now raising your grandchildren and one day when they launch their kids out, they can own up to their faults and failures too. Back to the text. That was a freebie. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Friend, if you don't want your heritage to be laughed at in the next generation, spend all the time you can sharpening that arrow, straightening that arrow, making sure that it flies straight and strong. People don't care about your house. People won't care about your car. People won't ask about your 401k, but they will see the way that your children grow up and act, and it will be a reflection on you whether you like it or not. And stop making a living. Making that your highest priority. Instead, live and invest in those children so that when it comes time 
to rear back and let those kids fly. You can, like me, rear back and say, Nathan, go get them, son. Rear back and say, Anna, be a blessing. Rear back and say, Caleb, be an encourager. Watch them fly. No, hey, I could have done more. I could have said more. I could have been a better example. But it's never too late to start. Maybe your arrow's already flown. It's never too late to invest in the next generation. Maybe your little blessings are still running around the house. And you've got years before you send them out. Praise God for the time. Instead of hurrying them out the door, fall on your face before God and pray that God would use you to sharpen those little arrows so that they will be like an arrow in the hand of a warrior going straight for the enemy, going straight with the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to be used by God to advance His kingdom. Some of you wouldn't know how to shoot a bow if you had to. And yet God has entrusted these arrows to you. There's a couple of guys in Florida on Tuesday who were trying to rob an ATM. One guy was shown on video with a crowbar. The other guy had a blowtorch. Crowbar man was the lookout guy. He was shown on video as, you know, just kind of peeking around. He was going to use his crowbar to pop the ATM open and these guys were going to make a killing. Well, Mr. Blowtorch man is on the video and he's, he's just going to town, man. He's got that blowtorch and he's just working his way to try to get a hole and opening something. And what he does is he gets all of those little parts and pieces that will open the ATM and he's just blowtorching those bad boys. What he ends up doing is he ends up melting them together. So instead of melting them apart, he hardens them so that it then becomes impossible to pop the ATM open. After 20 minutes of them trying, and amazingly nobody stopping them, Blowtorch Man and Crowbar Boy just run away empty-handed because they didn't know how to use a blowtorch or a crowbar. Dads, you've got some tools. Every dad wants a tool bag or a toolbox. And some of you are way cooler than me, and you've got one of those that's taller than you, and it's got like 88 different shelves, and you open the wrong one every time. If you're like me, I have a tool bag, and the one tool I need is always at the bottom, and I've got to pull it all out just to find the one thing that I need. But you've got some tools. The question is, do you know how to use them? Let's just investigate your tool bag and your toolbox for just a moment. Dad, do you know that the best tool and the best resource that you have in your tool bag and in your tool chest, the best resource you have is your personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ? Oh, it's not something that cuts. It's not something that that will, you know, unscrew or screw something tight, or it's not just some big power something that runs off of a generator. It's, it's not any, it's your personal relationship with God through Jesus. 
Dad, let me just tell you. If you've never entered into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ by turning from your sin and trusting in Jesus Christ, then you've got nothing to give to any generation, let alone back to God. And it all starts with your walk with Jesus. And Dad, today, some of you, grandfather, some of you today need to turn from your sin and say, I have never been born again. I've never entered into a relationship with God through Christ. I've always tried to do it myself. I've always tried to fix it. I've always tried to make it with the best that I could. And I'm here to tell you that you have a sin problem that only God can fix. There is nothing in your tool bag that will fix your sin problem between you and God except the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you've never trusted in Jesus, today is the day. I'm telling you, the best day that, Dad, you can give your heart and life to Jesus Christ is on Father's Day. There is a great gift you can give back to your family by starting a relationship with God through Christ. But, Dad, if you have that relationship, teach your children what God is teaching you. Take time to pray with them. Take time to tell them things from the Bible that God is speaking into your life. Take time to encourage them to walk with God the way that you are walking with God. Are you perfect? No. Do you make mistakes? Of course. But teach your children even through those mistakes how they can grow in their walk with Christ. Another gift that you have in your tool bag is the Spirit of the living God. When God's Holy Spirit is rich in your life, you can use that gift and that tool to give back to the next generation. You can speak words of life and encouragement and wisdom back to your children because the Holy Spirit of God is speaking them to you. Another great tool in your tool bag is the Word of God. Listen, Father doesn't know best. The one true and living God knows best. And Father, the only way that you know best is if you know God. And if you're filled with the Spirit and if you're led by His Word. Dad, if you don't have those tools in your tool bag, don't leave today thinking you have it all together. And do not try this at home without God. Do not try to be Mr. Fix-It unless you have the right equipment in your tool bag. Do not try to be the one who is all-encompassing, all-knowing, all-seeing. Trust that God knows what He's doing and let Him be God in your home. Some of you need to give your hearts and lives to Jesus. Some of you need to give your homes back to Him. And perhaps even pray right now. God, before we ever even get back home, would you begin to fill every room in our house? Would you begin to clean out what doesn't belong there? God, would you begin to just cover our home with your Spirit, fill it with your Word. God, that you would use me to sharpen my sons and daughters and my my grandchildren and my nieces and nephews. God, would you use me to make a difference in their life so that when it's their time to fly, they are straight and effective. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Our Heavenly Father, as we come to this time of decision, this moment, Lord, where we come face to face with the reality that none of us have it all together.
Father, we all fall short of the glory of God. Father, we all fall short of being a wonderful example of Christ. But Lord, it is never too late to begin to reflect more of Jesus today than we did yesterday. Father, if there are husbands and wives and aunts and uncles and grandparents and moms and dads that are really looking into their own heart and really looking into their own home, God, I pray today that You would call them to be closer to Jesus today than they were yesterday. God, help them to fall more in love with Your Word. Help them, Lord, to sharpen and straighten those arrows that You've entrusted to them. Help them, Father, to leave a heritage and a legacy behind. And not just objects and a will, but a true, genuine faith and trust in Jesus. And Father, if there are decisions that need to be made during this time, I pray that Your Holy Spirit would grab our heart, God, that You would change our mind and change our direction, and God, that today would be the day that we would give our hearts and lives back to You. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Randy Johnson. Thank you so much for joining me for What's the Word? That show airs every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock on 101.9 WAIN, right here in the heart of Adair County in Columbia, Kentucky. Or you can catch the replay of What's the Word on my podcast, which is called Walk This Way. And you can find that in several different places. You can find it at anchor.fm backslash walkthisway on the internet, or you can find it on different apps and, and places that carry podcasts like iTunes, Spotify, Pocket Cast, and all sorts of uh, places you can find this broadcast, you can find messages that I've preached, and I just want to encourage you to make it a point to tune in, subscribe, and listen to all sorts of content that's on my podcast, which is called, again, Walk This Way. Thank you so much for joining me.